Section 79 of The Golden Gems of Life. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Golden Gems of Life by Emery Adams Allen and S.C. Ferguson. Section 79. Happiness. Happiness is that single and glorious thing which is the very light and sun of the whole animated universe, and where she is not, it were better that nothing should be. Without her wisdom is but a shadow, and virtue a name. It is in the pursuit of happiness that the energies of man are put forth. It matters not that we are generally disappointed in the ultimate results of our endeavors. Earthly happiness is a phantom of which we hear much, but see little, whose promises are constantly given and constantly broken, but as constantly believed. She cheats us with the sound instead of the substance, and with the blossom instead of the fruit. Anticipation is her herald, but disappointment is her companion. In the ideal scene, everything is painted in bright colors. There are no drawbacks, no disappointments in that picture. But in the reality, they are sure to appear. The anticipation of a pleasure may have lasted for weeks in the mind, and have been dwelt on in all the endless variety of possibilities, while the reality lasts but a short time. Hence, the feeling of disappointment ensues. Hope immediately rallies the powers. We turn to new plans and begin again the round of anticipation ending in disappointments. Happiness is much like tomorrow, only one day from us, yet never arriving. It is, in a word, hope or anticipation. In this life we pursue it, in the future life we hope to overtake it. It is the experience of all that, having realized our hopes, of whatever nature they may be, we are not satisfied. And it is well for a man that he is so constituted, since satisfaction would be a bar to future efforts. We at once form new plans, grander and more comprehensive in their scope. We renew the struggle, press forward to their accomplishment, finding pleasure in the pursuit, if not in the possession. Perhaps nothing more plainly shows the diversity of the human mind than the different methods employed in this pursuit. Some seek it in the acquisition of wealth, others of power, others of fame. Some, by plunging into society, endeavor, by a giddy round of pleasure, to catch the same evanescent shadow that others seek by a life of solitude. No class or race of people exist, but that have some characteristic mode in which they trust to secure happiness. The savage seeks it in hunting and fishing, in barbarous warfare, or in the rude war dance. National peculiarities are strongly shown in their ideas of what constitutes happiness, the light-hearted nations of the sunny South differing in this respect from their more serious northern neighbors. To be happy 
is the summing up of all the ends and aims on earth it is a noble desire implanted in the human breast by the creator for purposes known only to his wisdom we talk of wealth fame and power as undeniable sources of enjoyment and limited fortune obscurity and insignificance as incompatible with felicity this is an instance of the remarkable distinction between theoretic conclusions and experience however brilliant in speculation wealth fame and power are found in possession impotent to confer happiness however decried in prospect limited fortune obscurity and insignificance are by experience found most friendly to real and lasting pleasure it is not this or that or the other peculiar mode of life nor in any particulars of outward circumstances nor in any definite kind of labor or duty that we may positively expect happiness if we do we shall be disappointed for it is not in our power to have things just our way or to control our outward life just as we would we live amid a multitude of influences we cannot altogether control nor is it best we should we must seek happiness in the right state of mind in the legitimate labors duties and pleasures of life and then we shall find what we seek yet we may find it under very different circumstances from what we expected it is much more equally divided than some of us imagine one man may possess most of the materials but little of the thing another man may possess much of the thing but few of the materials in this particular view happiness has been compared to the manna in the desert he that gathered much had nothing over and he that gathered little had no lack therefore to diminish envy let us consider not what others possess but what they enjoy we may look for happiness in one direction but find it in another and sometimes where we expect the least we may find the most and where we look for the most we shall find the least we are short-sighted and fail to see the ends of things a great deal of the misery of life comes from this disposition to have things our own way as though we could not be happy under any circumstances except those we have framed to meet our own wants circumstances are not half so essential to our happiness as most people imagine a cabin is often the seat of more true happiness than a palace kings may bid higher for happiness than their subjects but it is more apt to fall to the lot of the private citizen than the monarch she sends to the palace her equipage her pomp and her train but she herself is travelling incognita to keep a private appointment with contentment and to partake in a dinner of herbs in a cottage the disposition to make the best of life is what we want to make us happy those who are so wilful and seemingly perverse about their outward circumstances are often intensely affected by the merest trifles a little thing shadows their life for days the want of some convenience some personal gratification some outward form or ornament will blight a day's joy they can often bear a great calamity better than a small disappointment 
because they nerve themselves to meet the former and yield to the latter without an effort to resist molehills are magnified into mountains and in the shadow of these mountains they sit down and weep the very things they ought to have sometimes come unasked and because they are not ready for them they will not enjoy them but rather make them the cause of misery there is also a disposition in such minds to multiply their troubles as well as magnify them they make troubles of many things which should really be regarded as privileges opportunities for self-sacrifice for culture for improving effort they make troubles of the ordinary allotments of life its duties charities changes unavoidable accidents reverses and experiences this can be considered in no other light than morally wrong for these common allotments and experiences were beyond all question ordained by infinite wisdom as a healthy discipline for the soul of man some spend life determined to be vastly happy at some future time but for the present put off all enjoyment even of passing pleasures seemingly for fear lest all such present comfort detracts from the sum total of future enjoyments they indeed acquire wealth or fame or the outward surroundings of happiness but alas too often the palmy days of life are gone and the acquisitions from which they fondly hoped to gather much of human happiness form but the stately surroundings of real and heartfelt wretchedness happiness then should be as a modest mansion which we can inhabit while we have our health and vigor to enjoy it not a fabric so vast and expensive that it has cost us the best part of our lives to build it and which we can enjoy only when we have less occasion for a habitation than for a tomb happiness is a mosaic composed of many small stones each taken apart and viewed singly may be of little value but when all are grouped together judiciously combined and set they form a pleasing and graceful whole a costly jewel trample not underfoot then the little pleasures which a gracious providence scatters in the daily path while in search after some great and exciting joy happiness after all is a state of mind it cannot consist in things it follows thence that in the right discipline of the mind is the secret of true happiness in vain do they talk of happiness who never subdued an impulse in obedience to a principle he who never sacrificed a present to a future good or a personal to a general one can speak of happiness only as the blind do of colors the fountain of content must spring up in the mind and he who seeks happiness by changing anything but his own disposition will waste his life in fruitless efforts and multiply the griefs which he seeks to remove the trouble often is we are too selfish too unyielding in our arrangements for life's best good because we cannot find happiness in our own way we will not accept it in its appointed way and so make ourselves miserable some excellent people are very unhappy 
from a kind of stubborn adherence to their settled convictions of just what they must have and what they must do to be happy they lose sight of the fact that god rules above them and a thousand influences work around them partly at least beyond their control they have not determined to accept life cheerfully in whatever form it may come and seek for good under all circumstances we must seek for happiness in heaven-appointed ways in study duty labor exalted pleasures with a constant effort to find it we must seek it in domestic and business life in the relations we hold to our fellow-men and in the daily opportunities afforded us for discipline and self-sacrifice if then you would be happy possessing at least that measure of happiness which is vouchsafed to mortals we must intelligently seek happiness not by way of impulse not seeking selfishly our own good but with a forgetfulness of self doing all the good we can and with a thorough consecration of soul to the good of what we seek end of section seventy nine